everyone it's adrian from the pageant project with you and i have a special return guest danielle allura who is somewhere where about are you at the moment danielle i'm in miami florida sounds good and what time is it for you it's 6 a.m 6 a.m in the morning so it's going to be a very interesting light sequence as the sun rises but beautiful i took a picture so i'll send it to you later are you gradually throughout the interview going to be getting lighter and lighter and lighter, are you? Mm -hmm. Very angelic. I look forward to it. <laughs> Should be good. Um, Danielle, for the viewers who maybe haven't, um, don't know about you just yet, do you want to give us the brief pageant introduction before we get stuck into it? Sure. So the pageant introduction, I was adopted as a baby from angelic parents, much like the light you'll be seeing today. Very, very lucky I won the lottery with my family. I'm the oldest of four. All four of us are adopted from four different families. I've lived in a number of states across the US, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Florida, California. I'm currently in Florida and I'm very honored to be Miss Florida Global USA. And I've modeled across the world, internationally sang, I've been published in more than 30 magazines. I'm currently working on Netflix and Apple's next big show. And I'm very excited to be back here on the podcast. I, I saw that and we will dig into bits and pieces of that. Um, but we'll start with the easy question. How and why did you get involved in the crazy world of pageantry to begin with? So I have a very dear friend of mine from the state of Delaware, who's very well known in the industry, Vincenza. And I remember going to her pageants, watching her compete. We were on a dance team together and we went to school, uh, middle school and high school together. And she is an incredible human being. Um, there's nothing she can't do. And I remember talking to her one day, picking her brain about it because I didn't really understand what it was, what it was really about. I always thought it was, you put some lipstick and a dress on stage and hopefully you're talented and maybe when I didn't understand that it was really about spreading awareness about causes that are near and dear to your heart, getting able to express yourself and your beautiful inner beauty on stage so much deeper than the makeup you can apply. And I was already extremely active with charities, especially Family Promise with my mother through my church for family homelessness. And Vincenza really encouraged me to compete because she's like, based on what the judges look for, you already do all of that. So why don't you try it? And I gave it some thought, so much thought that I think I was 26. I was really close to the um, when you age out of the USA system when I competed in my very first pageant. So, and that was the one that I had known about the most because I didn't really do too much research before um, watching Vincenza compete. I aged out after my first attempt at it. And I think I placed top 20 or I actually don't know what I placed, but it wasn't, I wasn't like a top five, but I did pretty well that I got the bug. And let me yeah. tell you though, doing your first pageant and not winning is a very hard thing to experience because I was, I was already used to modeling and getting no's and acting and you get no's. Not everybody is yeah. your biggest fan. You're not gonna always land the job, but being on stage and getting the no was extremely difficult. So I had to relearn the whole process of 
failing, not winning, um, trying to not win with grace. That was a, that was a lesson for me, but I got the bug. And so I went back a few times and I have since been very, very honored to have represented Delaware and California, Pennsylvania, and now Florida. What do you think, um, cause you said you caught the bug and obviously a lot of the people that I interview have caught the bug. What was it in particular that drew you in? Definitely my work with Family Promise. There's, I'll back up a little bit. Being adopted is something that to the core of me, it defines me. I'm based a lot of my decisions off of understanding that my reality today could have been extremely different if not for winning the lottery with my parents and my family. And so since it's not my reality, I give back in the sense that I rehouse homeless families. I have since rehoused 350 homeless families. Um, I need to get wow. the exact number. It would be good to know, but a lot of families. And now, given all of the pageant work that I've done, it's pretty interesting to see the growth that I've had with the awareness that I've caused for family promise across the nation, starting in Delaware, California and now Florida that I've made. And so really cool after my goals were then with my charity and how far we've come. So I went from talking about how I wanted to um, help the charity reach raising $70,000 to hearing my next goal be $150,000 and then my next goal be I would love for one of the families on um, that graduate from my system end up sitting on the board so that we have a whole um, full circle of board members. Circle. And yeah. while we write grants, talk about that, this is how far this respective woman or man has come that they are now a decision maker with our charity to now we are breaking ground on our first ever building. We've owned real estate before to rehouse families, but now we're building a building that will house 15 families at a time. It looks like a villa. Wow. It's in a neighborhood, a residential neighborhood. We have incredible community support and it's gonna double. We rehouse about 98 families a year, give and take, given a lot of different variables, but that house alone will double the families we rehouse each year. And we have support from three surrounding counties and uh, five mayors. It's incredible. It's it's legacy and I've worked really hard mm. with it with my executive director and my board. And that is, that really is, in my opinion, the true crown. Absolutely. That that's amazing. I had no idea that's what was going on. Can you give people, can you give me an idea of obviously without going into too much detail and not revealing confidential things and of that nature, but what is the actual adoption process sort of from, beginning to end roughly and how long does that take because you said 98 in a year 98 families which is roughly two a week which for some other things isn't a lot but for adoption that's amazing that you can at least to my mind that you can uh, rehouse that many families per week so what's the adoption process like so we are pretty rigorous and i'm proud of that because in order to create such mm. impact you need definite structure definite structure so we screen for alcohol substance abuse and mm -hmm. domestic violence 
the domestic violence sector changes from state to state, but I believe it's about a three month window that if you haven't had issues with domestic violence, it'll take you in um, if there has been nothing in three month window because we hope people will change. Mm. Unfortunately, there are government programs that say housing first, that's kind of HUD's um, way of doing things these right. days, but we don't, we screen first because if you are going to live, if your family's gonna live amongst other families that are doing their best to change yeah. their reality, we need to make sure that we are also not giving other certain traumas to of those course. families. So we screen yeah. for that background check. And then as we're like hitting the refresh button on a background check, essentially, then we take you in and put you in the IHN our immediate housing network, which is right. through churches, synagogues, and mosques, we turn their classrooms into bedrooms overnight, and then we break them back down in their classrooms again. And they're in that rotation for an average of 42 days for them to save money, uh, get their feet relatively um, back in line. We help them with mm -hmm. interviews. We clothe themselves and their children and transport them to work and school. They never seem homeless at the time. You would never know sitting in classroom that um, the little girl next to you who's your age is, is experiencing this because we make sure that they're very much mentally protected also. We have therapists yeah. uh, that also help in this process. And then they graduate into one of our houses and we only charge them about 60%, maybe just a little less market rate of rent. That is actually money that we put towards them to afford low income housing. So it's to mm -hmm. teach them about saving, budgeting, all right. like all encompassing super multifaceted operation, um, even down to how much they can spend on groceries to feed their family to make sure it's no more than $1.50 a plate, but still fortified and nutritional wow. food. So all encompassing, they are going through basically a crash course of how to survive uh, low income to be a, a large family. A lot of our families have mm -hmm. three kids and to yeah. be able to survive without us. But we have a caseworker that follows them for two years after they graduate uh, from our system and that we have, this is an exact number, 100% success rate for families to never, ever experience homelessness ever again. Wow. that That's amazing in itself because I was going to ask a follow-up question, which was, you know, once I sort of leave your immediate supervision, what happens? Because that that's very important as well. But I want to back up just a second because with the work that you do, um, and I've known you for, I think, a couple of years now, but we had the worldwide pandemic. And then as that's sort of tailing off, we've had political unrest and now we have the war in the Ukraine, which has, I don't know, in your country specifically, but I've seen the gas prices spike up. Same over here. And they keep talking about cost of living, cost of living goes up, which always affects the most vulnerable, the most financially vulnerable, the worst. So just um, can you give me any insight in, in terms of your work? How has the pandemic and then recently the inflation and cost of living spiking, how has that affected what you do? It's, we already had, um, we were already underserved and now we're incredibly underserved. Um, the building that a different organization had built um, that had about 75 rooms, 
they had 6,500 applications for those rooms. So there was always a need. There's always families that need help in order to survive with a climate that isn't experiencing a pandemic or major inflation. And so now the need mm -hmm. is even more. So if there was ever a time to um, get to know what programs are out there in order to help your family get by, this is arguably the most important time to understand what you could be doing to help the families around you, not only in your mm -hmm. country, but across seas and what you could be doing for your own family in order to make ends meet. Because there are so many times where our we have a few transporters that um, with donated cars that we have them go around and they're actually paid. They go around to shelters to make sure that there aren't families with children there that could be with, with our specific specialized organization so that the kids aren't growing up in shelter with, yeah. um, with a certain level of homelessness, as well as we get refugees whether they're coming from Mexico or Ukraine. And we have a program where we don't discriminate and mm -hmm. we will rehouse you. And we do it in an, a perfect way where we're still serving Americans, but we have the heart and the compassion for the immigrants yeah. that are coming to this country based on the, the government or the war-torn society that they're going through. And Proudly, I have successfully rehoused five Ukrainian families into homes. Wow. That's amazing. And I've done that with the help of, thank you. And I couldn't do it without the help of uh, Jem. I met some incredible volunteers with the Global Empowerment Mission when we were packing supplies to send to the warehouse that they have on the border of Ukraine. Now I believe they have two warehouses on the border mm -hmm. of Ukraine. Um, and the networking that I did with people that I met there in order to figure out which family promises throughout our country could handle more families than yeah. we have already anticipated for our own local region. Yeah. Okay. So if people, we've already talked about overseas, obviously, but if people want to support family promise, what, what's the best way? What are you guys looking for at the moment? I love that question. So Family Promise is proudly in all 50 states. So if you want to help the one that's closest to you, you can merely go to Google Maps and search Family Promise mm -hmm. and you'll see which one is closest to you. In this virtual day and age, luckily you do not have to be there physically. You can go to their website, click on the local respective region one that's next, uh, closest to you, the affiliate. And usually there's a wish list on their web website that tells them immediately what they need so that you're not oh, wow. saying, okay donating things that they have a million of. They'll tell you what they need. Yeah. And a lot of them also have an Amazon link that you can just add things that they need to your cart, mm -hmm. click a button, they know it's coming from you and they receive what they need the very next day. Or you can just show up and give whatever it is that you are willing and able to give. And we, by number in the country, are top five, maybe top four employment companies in the nation based on volunteer hours and employees. We are one of the biggest companies in the country because of the way that you can, um, how you dissect volunteer hours towards monetarily what that would be in order to run your program. We're yeah. one of the largest there is, and we could not do that without our income, without our, 
uh, faith-based partners, the churches, the mm. mosques, the synagogues, the shelters, the just random people that understand what we're doing for families in this country. And so I thank all my volunteers that are watching and I thank my board for their strength. And I thank God for giving us the wisdom and the courage and energy to keep going. Well, as you know, I'll be over in Texas in about 30 days. So I'll have to look, uh, look up the Texan chapter and see if there's anything I can do um, just to, I mean, that, that charity work is amazing. I could talk to you solely about that topic for a long time, but just to bring it back to pageantry for a second, we've already gone through your pageant history, how you got involved in the first place, talked about your charity work. How did you find the global system in particular? How, how did your journey take you to the global system that you're in now? Um, and how have you found your journey so far? I'm so happy you asked me that question because this is something that I'm very excited about. I was looking for a pageant system that understood that if you're not married, maybe you have a kid, maybe you've been divorced, but you're older than 24 and you're older than 30, <laughs> that there's still a place for you in this world of pageants, that age is irrelevant. You can do whatever you wanna do. You can reinvent yourself. You can set new dreams, set new goals, shoot for the moon, still got on, get on stage and look amazing in a bikini and be widely accepted for all of these things that there is a very big population in this country and this world that are women just like myself, that there's still a place for us. There's still a place for us on stage. There's still a place for us at a podium to speak our minds and to bring awareness mm. to the things that we're passionate about, even if we're not, say, a mother or married. And even if we are, and this is the pageant system that had that for me. The age limit is 35, whether they will expand that in the future, I, I sure hope so, because there's incredible women that are my peers that I have met across the country doing things that I love, that, I, that relate to me and that are in that chapter of my life and that also like pageants. And so that sits so well in my heart. I feel so at home, Adrian with the Miss Global Organization because it's a place for me. Mm. And I can't wait to see how many people I can get to join because it's just, it's a breath of fresh air. I, I put on my crown and banner and I talk about what's passionate to me and I can just have a sigh of relief knowing that there's a place for people that are older than 24 because women mm. empowerment has no age and the Miss Global Organization really embodies that. I would never ask um, a lady to disclose her age, but for those of you watching, Danielle is actually over 30, if you didn't know. She doesn't look it. <laughs> but, oh, Adrian, yeah. you flatter me. <laughs> I, I, I only bring it up because I think it's very important in the world of pageantry, especially, I think, over the last 10 years. We've seen a trend, I think, where, you know, as you said, you re you can reinvent yourself. Used to be, you know, by the time maybe you're 25, you have to be married, have kids, and then that's kind of it until the kids move out. You know, you have a defined sort of path in life. But now, you know, at the age of 25, 35, 45, even a lot older, you can still reinvent yourself. And um, I think when it, when it comes to getting on stage, I mean, you've been on stage an awful lot for pageantry and modeling. And... I feel it's very much an energy without getting too airy fairy. I mean, if you get on stage and you have that youthful, vibrant energy, it comes across. 
Oh, yes. And even if you feel there are people with stage fright, but they need to mm. understand that they have that energy, too. You just need to know how to harness it and how to spread it. Yeah. And there's an easy way to practice that. Um, some people call it meditation. I don't necessarily call it meditation, but connect with yourself. Untether, sit quiet, sit on the ground and just envision yourself being like a tree. I know that bear with me for a second, but you're a tree and I'm in a condo building right now and you're planting roots down through each floor below you. So you're practicing energy spreading. So you're radiating is actually the term. Marilyn Monroe used to do this. Mm -hmm. and not yeah. that I am admiring her or anything, but she used to do this. Um, and you're planting roots through all the floors below you. Now you're planting roots into the ground. Now you're spreading your branches throughout what you can see in front of you, past the walls, past the ocean, into other countries. Now you're spreading up above you. Practice spreading your energy. And even if you have stage fright, just practice you're doing that. Practice that the air around you is a great, big, powerful ball of energy that people can feel. And then put an emotion towards that. Put something passionate towards that. Put a smile towards that. And it's very powerful. Energy is a very powerful thing. And yeah. we do, we have electromagnetic things around us that we can explain that affect other people that are close to us in our heart. So when you're on stage, just spread that with a good feeling. Well, if I ever do get on stage one day, I'll have to um, get your advice on that. It might, it might help. I don't have stage fright, but I don't have any stage presence. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, now I ask, I ask you for a few talking points. We've gone over obviously the, a lot about the pageant and charity. There's two more to go through here. One you said TV show and the other one you said farm. So I will click on this and bring up the word TV show. Why don't you fill us in with TV shows? Okay. So I'll tell you as much as I'm allowed to say. We're almost done. So after August, there'll be a much bigger drop of in information. Mm -hmm. But there is a really cool book about a crime scene investigator, a monkey, a dragon queen, and certain nefarious and um, funny things that happen between Miami and Key West. And the police officer investigator that gets in trouble is trying to win his job back, also win back the girl. And I am on set with A-listers and Hollywood's most famous monkey. And I'm very, very honored to um, have pretty much fallen um, beyond talent, fallen into this great opportunity because of my size. My measurements are exactly this celebrity's size, go figure, and my height and my hair color and apparently um, not only the back of our head, but how we carry ourselves through a room and walk around and exist in the world. Mm -hmm. it, the likeness is very similar. So that's how I got this opportunity. And to grow that opportunity even further, I've also worked alongside the other main character female because for some reason when my hair is straight, it is more like her likeness. And so I go between standing in for those two roles and also I've been on set enough where I have my own role to be like a makeup artist to the anchor of the TV or I'm being arrested for God knows what, maybe being a cat burglar and uh, being roughed around by a cop and things like that. So right. it's been great. Um, two different humongous streaming platforms have already put $100 million towards this show. 
We're almost oh, done wow. filming. Yeah, it's, um, I think the only show that beats us is Stranger Things. I think they spend 30 million an episode. I think we're spending 15 million an episode, which is crazy wow. to think about. Crazy to think about that we're there on set and that's the burn rate. Mm. But that's Hollywood movie magic. So uh, season one should come out this fall and they're already on track to do a season two and word has it about a season three. And it's wow. it's a lot of work. It's hard work in the Miami heat, but it's my mm -hmm. favorite. You know, I'm just going to be spending all, all my time now thinking about which celebrities do you look like and trying to trying to piece it together in my head. I wonder, I wonder who does Daniel most look like? It's so funny because being that I'm adopted to hear that I look like someone blows my mind because <laughs> I've never really experienced that in my life. And so now mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, I'm next to this person on set and we're supposed to be exactly the same makeup, hair, clothing, body, uh, likeness, vibe. It's, it's interesting. And it's a humongous compliment to me. And she mm -hmm. also, um, I'll take liberty to say it's a big compliment to her too, because she's 46. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm standing in for her. So, so it's, it's really awesome. I've learned a lot and I'm very excited to see where this takes me. So it's coming out. You said this fall. Yes. So we, sh we are supposed to finish filming season one by the first week in August. I think we're pretty much on track for that. And then September-ish is when we start season two. So um, they seem like they're pretty quick at it and that we're going to be having a wrap party and then celebrate the premiere very shortly after we, we finish. So, and, you know, given the amount of money that they're spending, it makes sense that they're, they're moving and grooving. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine it won't be a small rap party. Oh, that'll be amazing. That's something to look forward to. Uh, um, so coming to a screen near you this fall. Okay, so that's the TV show. Um, what about maybe the slightly less glamorous world of you've just written Farm? So, And I, I've seen your stories, and every now and then it's on close friends' stories, and I see random animals. I see a lot of chickens, <laughs> eggs which I do have some connection with because we have chickens here as well. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the farm. Okay, so the farm is in, and people don't think of Miami and think farm, but there is mm. amazingly lush farmland, no more than 40 minutes from Miami. And it's 10 acres. I have chickens, baby chicks, quail, guinea hens, I have four beehives. I am an officially registered and certified beekeeper in the state of Florida. So my honey will be sold this fall and it'll be incredible. Um, what else do I have? Oh, I'm getting ducks. I'm getting Mandarin ducks and I believe Peking ducks. Uh, and they'll oh, have Peking to have ducks. a little, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going mm -hmm. really free and then I'm going large and um, some people say delicious. So. <laughs> No offense yeah. to vegans. So um, it's it's amazing to be woken up at five in the morning by a rooster instead of an iPhone and then grab a basket, go out, see, see about the eggs, feed the baby chicks and um, step out of air conditioning, get some fresh air, yeah. pick a mango from a tree and eat the benefits of the land. Uh, there's more than 500. Mm. 
I have more than 500 exotic fruit trees. And nice. I proudly, I'm a profitable farmer. I'm not trying to be braggadocious, but I do make money out of all the exotic fruits on the Braggadocious? <laughs> Truly, though. <laughs> Out of all the exotic fruits on the property, um, 156 of those trees are Key West Meme Sapotes, and 48 are Magana Meme Sapotes. And I have sold that one type of fruit for a hefty amount of money. Just, just back it up. So what, what was that tree again? That name escaped me. So the type of fruit is Meme Sapote, and the varietal, if you will, is Magana Meme Sapote and Key West Meme Sapote. It's a four pound fruit. The Maganas are about this big, like a football is a great example. Yeah. And the Key Wests are more circular. And the flesh of the fruit is like a kiwi. When you cut into mm. it, it's bright orange, like bright, bright orange, like makeup. And it tastes like a sweet potato crossed with caramel and apricot. And the texture of it is like an avocado. I have to try <laughs> one of these things. I don't think I've ever heard of this before. You just brought up so many different fruits. and Okay. I think I'll just yeah. have to try that to, to sample it for myself. Trust me when I say the grocery stores that we have throughout our country, although they feed us, are based on marketing and there are so many incredible foods out there that don't make it to most of the country. And this is one of those fruits that you'll find at a fruit stand here. Maybe you'll find it at a grocery store nearby, but it's not throughout our country. But it grows all over this state. It, at tropical weather, this tree had not gotten fertilizer or anything special, pesticides, and it just, I think, um, do the math, but to final, just tell you the number, $25,000 worth of this fruit fell from trees that were not touched by anything but mother nature and rain. And they say money doesn't grow on trees. So uh, obviously they're just yes, growing the wrong kind of trees. <laughs> That's, uh, I, 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 I still can't quite picture what this, what this fruit looks like in my head. I'm going to have to look it up. I sold them all, so I, I can't grab one and <laughs> show you right now. <laughs> Oh, wow. Um, how many eggs are you getting sort of every day? Because we have two chickens and one of them lays pretty much every day. We've had both of them pretty much lay every day. How many eggs are you getting a day? So that's a, this is a story. So one of my chickens lays the most eggs. Her name is Henrietta. And at first, Henrietta was laying uh, with Sharon and Karen. They were laying about two dozen eggs. Uh, I, I think Agatha was giving me some, but they, they mix and match. When I started taking their eggs, they started um, rebelling and hiding them between different yeah. tractor teams. I'm, I'm pretty sure you saw that on my Instagram. Um, when I started taking them, they started not only moving them, but giving me less. And then, unfortunately, a predator killed one of the girls, um, mm. which was one that I didn't even name yet. Um, it was it was pretty quickly after we got the property that then they pulled back to giving me six eggs a day. But Henrietta went from rebelling to going, I'm going to make make babies because one of my sisters passed away. So she started sitting on an egg instead of giving me eggs. So I think I was down to two because Sharon and Karen and Agatha 
Ah, Not very reproductive. So she sat on an egg for almost 21 days until the raccoon that had killed her sister ended up eating the egg, unfortunately. And so she's very sad right now and is thinks that the baby hatched and is running around the property away from the group looking for her baby and calling to it. It's pretty sad. <laughs> but I have baby chicks on the other side that I purchased from a hatchery. So um, there's baby, baby ones, and then there's teenagers that are almost adult, and she and there's four of those. So she's kind of like with that group now because she's adopted them to be their mom since she can't find her own baby, and they still chirp like like babies. So it's it's pretty in that sense, but also sad because I, I was looking forward to watching a baby follow a mom instead of having to brood the chickens myself. Yeah. Um, so now I have those. 28 baby chicks there's four teenagers and six adults i hope you like eggs <laughs> i love i love eggs and fertilize natural fertilizers natural fertilizer if you know what i mean oh yes oh, i yes. have two quail um one guinea hen unfortunately the other one was also attacked mother nature is cruel but uh, mm. I, I can't be too sad about it so i'll just be getting more um sisters and brothers for the guinea hen so yeah yep if you ever want to find out where the predators are on your property get chickens they they just seem to the first we this is our second pair of chickens the first pair of chickens and where i'm living it's in the bush but i've never seen a fox or a wild dog or anything like that our first two chickens we had them for maybe a month and they were caught and torn up something terrible and oh, no. we don't know by what we didn't see it, and that we just found the, the the carcasses. So I have no idea, but they seem so to attract it, predators. It could be a number of things. Um, we're suspect with like our neighbor's cats. There's raccoons. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there are coyotes somewhere in in Florida. I have never seen one. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, um, I think mongoose is also something suspect. Never seen one. But then there's birds of prey, and so it's yep. It's a number of different things that it could have been, but. Uh, then you're caught between do I put it in a cage and protect it, but then don't give it freedom, or do I let Mother Nature do its thing? So you're caught between wanting them to have the best life that they can without being behind bars, but knowing that either way, it's, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's um, that's a circle of life, isn't it? Uh, Daniel, when is the um, when is the actual pageant? So you're in global. You're representing Florida. When are you competing? July 10th. So um, I leave Miami for Orlando July 5th. Check-in is the 6th and we compete the 9th and 10th in Orlando. Beautiful. How are you feeling about it? I feel really good. Like I said before, I am so at home with this organization and the goals that we have that align with my passions. I'm, I'm ready. Certainly sounds like you are. Um, now, just before we move towards a close, um, you've mentioned a few people uh, working with your charity, but just in general, anyone that you want to give a shout out to before we move to the end? Yes, I definitely wanted to say thank you very much to Cindy Albertson, who's my executive director. I also wanted to say thank you to Susie Holtzfeld, who's the national director of this pageant, and to Adrian for having me. And hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Do you remember the um, the final 10? Do you remember what the questions were from last time? It was a while ago. It was a while ago, and with this time in the morning, unfortunately, <laughs> it escapes me. Okay, so what I thought I'd do, because I'm sort of restarting my pageant interview career, as it were, let me just see if this works here. So we'll do the same 10 questions. Just tell me if you can see this on your screen, Daniel. Let me add this. Can you see that? I see a countdown. Okay. So what we're going to do, I, I thought I'd give people one minute to try and get through as many of these. One minute. because So they're literally going to be one-word one answers. And we're going to see who can get through the most questions. So I don't expect you to be able to get through all 10. But um, I will start the countdown at the end of the first question. Okay? Okay. All right. So just one word answers. So, all right. On your marks, get set. All right. So first question is, what is your favorite word? Incredible. What is your least favorite word? Super. In life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Change. What turns you off? Static. What sound or noise do you love? Birds. What sound or noise do you hate? Sadness. If you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? Healing. And why? Uh, what? Yeah. Because I would want to be able to heal other people, whether it's illnesses or even broken hearts. What job or occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt? Being a billionaire farmer. What job would you definitely not like to attempt? A prison worker. <laughs> we got, oh, there we go. We got through, you got through nine of them, which for six, six o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning is not bad. So well done. Well, I was trying to follow your rules. You said, you said one word answers. <laughs> Yes, I know. I know. This is the first time I've put a timer on it. So I'm, not, I'm not good at following my own rules. Um, let's do the last question anyway, since you've got through so quick. So the last question is, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done. I like that answer. Uh, I gave a very similar answer myself. Uh, Ralph here has said, good luck, Danielle. I'll try to attend on the 9th. If I'm not busy, we've had a few comments here as well. Um, I think this, I think this was, I think it's Diana, who's the director of the Dr. World System. Congratulations on not giving up and your success. Thank and you. when we were talking about your charity work, she said inspirational impact. Thank you. Um, and then Ralph, speaking of flatterers, also said, Danielle looks like she's in her early 20s. I there will take it. I will take it. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really right. cool. People joined us at such an early time in the morning. I was curious as to the activity that we would have. Well, Ralph is definitely stateside, so it's early for him. Um, I'm not sure where Diana is. I think she might be in Canada. And then Rachel, uh, who was also watching, is over in the UK. So got people tuning in from everywhere, Danielle. People watching from everywhere in the world. Awesome. Okay. Well, it's been a blast hearing more about your charity work this time. But thanks for coming on.
Thank you so much, Adrian. And I can't wait to rewatch it and catch the episodes that you have coming up. I see you're going to be quite busy, huh? Yes, I thought I'd throw myself back into it before I hit stateside, um, before <laughs> I hit the Texas. So I think I've got like 12 interviews over the next two and a bit weeks. That's going to be interesting. So, Are there um, any really I've... crazy time zones that you're going to have to be waking up, drinking coffee and interviewing? No, no. You see, this time I was very selfish and went, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it on my terms. So if you guys want to book in, you have to do it when I'm awake. I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. anymore because also I have other stuff I need to do. So you had to jump on, you poor thing, at 6 a.m. But, you know, for the Brits, it's actually fairly, you know, um, civilized. And for us Aussies, it, it's fine. So Well, um, I'll yeah. give some advice to the beauty queens that are watching this show that will be going on next. Pick one in the morning because you don't want to look gradually tired as it gets late at night. Pick one in the morning so that your face starts to wake up as it goes. <laughs> that was my thinking. Uh, that's good advice. Okay. Well, Danielle, I will keep you on the line for just a second whilst I hang up with the audience. But thanks to everyone for watching, whether it's live or on the replay. And we will speak to you next time. Bye Thank for now. Hey, thanks so much for watching. Sorority Access is now open. So if you'd like to join an amazing group of women and learn how to be the most powerful, confident, and impactful queen possible, head to the pageantsorority.com. I'll see you there and see you in the next video.